support such an action? Should he be removed by the cabinet? I, I think, uh, Jake, uh, that the cabinet should meet and have a discussion. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but I think the cabinet should meet and, and, uh, and, and discuss this because the, the behavior yesterday and, and, and the weeks and months before that has just been outrageous from the president. And, and uh, what, what happened on Capitol Hill yesterday is a direct result of his you know, poisoning the minds of people with the lies and the, and the frauds. Former Chief of Staff Kelly, uh, Jake Tapper went on to ask him, would you be a vote if you were uh, you know, involved in that vote to remove him from office? And he said, yes, yes, I would. So mm-hmm. that's that. You got Ben Sass, Republican senator, who said he would consider moving on articles of impeachment in the House if they bring the charges to the Senate. So you got a couple of Republicans that are out there saying they would vote for it. You'd need 17 to actually remove him. He's only Trump's only going to be president for 12 more days. And the other headline, Trump has announced he won't attend Joe Biden's inauguration. I think that's probably better for everybody. Worth mentioning also that Ben Sass was staunchly against the use or misuse, I should say, of the 25th Amendment. He mm-hmm. says it's completely inappropriate. Okay. That's about a, a present, president who's disabled by injury or disease or something like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Um, so we, uh, I'm pretty comfortable with being uniform and consistent on the you don't get to uh, be violent against things or people. Well, really ever, um, right? unless it's self-defense, but certainly not for politics. And so even though I think Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland is a crazy person, and, um, you know, he did a lot of what Trump is being accused of by validating the Antifa crazies agenda Absolutely. And, al- and allowing it to go on. I don't know how that's not inciting or stoking a riot. He uh, permitted it, made excuses for it for months and months and months. He forgave or condoned political violence. Yeah. But I don't think this is cool at all. He got punched by a social justice activist. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler, whose city has been plagued by Antifa rioters, was punched in the face as he dined at a cafe, according to reports. A group started heckling Wheeler as he sat in the Cafe Nell, their outdoor dining area, on Wednesday, the Oregonian reported. The mayor tried to ignore the hecklers, but they eventually pushed their way past restaurant employees and confronted him. This should not happen in the United States of America. This should Absolutely not happen. Absolutely not. If he, if he wasn't afraid for his life, he's crazy. You don't know what those people are going to do. You know what those nut jobs are going to do? When well, Wheeler... plenty of people die after getting punched in the face. They fall to the ground, hit their head, and out go the lights. Well, if they're coming at me, screaming at me, I think they're going to stab me or shoot me before they ever punch me. When Wheeler asked the people to leave, one member of the group started swatting at the mayor and made physical contact with him. I don't know if that's a punch or not. Um, the mayor could be heard on video claiming to have been assaulted. Yeah. Well, it's it's so obvious. The person saying it. The person, was, the person screamed, you are going to be made to feel like the scum you are. Okay, that's normal. It has been so obvious, and we were telling Ted Wheeler this. We were howling at him last year, months and months and months of telling him, you think you can manage the energy of these lunatics because they're nominally on your side. 
You think you can whip them up and permit what they do, and when they beat down people, make excuses for them. You think you can manage this. You can't. And we warned them they were going to turn on him because he would eventually not be able to passive his way out of it. And the moment he did do anything about it, he'd have let them grow too strong to be managed. We tried to warn him that. Likewise, Donald Donald J. and Cruz and Hawley whipping up that, that outer fringe of true believers thinking, yeah, I can manage these people, I can manipulate them, I can I can get them to vote for me when Trump's gone, yeah. No, you can't. So he made his strong statements that we played about why, you know, he's had his great epiphany that you can't reason with these Antifa people and, uh, and that they're going to start cracking down, and they did over the weekend, and that's got to be what prompted this person to come and yelling, F. Ted Wheeler, you are scum, and then allegedly punching him. But the mayor's spokesman said, um, given the tenor of political discourse nationally and locally, it's not unusual for people to confront the mayor and other elected officials. It's part of the job. N- no, not, not like, like that. that. It's not, not, not no. like that. That's third world crap. Man. Way to excuse somebody attacking you. You're, you're going to be physically attacked again if that's your response to being physically attacked. That's his spokeshole. Yep. That's amazing. Isn't Condoning it? a physical attack on yep. the mayor well, and inviting more of it. It's part of the job getting punched in the face when all you're doing is enforcing the law against anarchists. That you took an oath to uphold, by the way. Somebody shows up while you're eating dinner and screams at you and punches you in the face. That's part of the job. No, it's not. Well, I was hoping that we had all come to an agreement after Wednesday that political violence is not okay, but apparently we've not. You know, uh, the dispatch... We've quoted a couple of times today. Did I copy that part? No, I guess I didn't. They uh, they quoted Alexander Hamilton. Go ahead, Alexander if you must. Hamilton. Yeah, I had a figure. You that's the figure. Do it. Um, he was describing what would happen if a bad person were president, and and what shape that would take, what it would look like, and why it was to be avoided. And one of the things he cited, and I'm going to have to paraphrase kind of broadly here because I don't have it in front of me is it would be a politician who would whip people up with dishonesty and lies and promises or whatever, then try to, uh, what's, what's the phrase, harness the whirlwind. Someone who would create seething hate and, and, and wild instability and think they could then manage it. And we see several examples of that on both sides, what we've been talking about this segment. It's a real mistake. I'll come up with that quote for you. It's a, it's a humdinger. Okay, we'll look forward to that. We got this text. So Trump's not attending Biden's uh, inauguration. This has happened three times before, gentlemen. I'm going to assume uh, this person has done the research. Uh, second President John Adams didn't attend for Thomas Jefferson. Maybe it wasn't a thing then. I don't know. I, can I don't see, know either. I can see how if it wasn't a thing yet, you wouldn't think, well, why would I be there? Well, that was back when the uh, State of the Union address was a one-page letter. Exactly. Uh, Dear Congress, State of the Union looks pretty good. Ohio's rainy. Uh, Thanks. For all I know. Signed George Washington. For all I know, and this is probably a decent guess, an inauguration back in the day was probably similar for signing the papers for buying a home. It was a formality and a legal thing you got to go through, and you take the oath and you do this. Right. Uh, His son, John Quincy Adams, didn't attend for Andrew Jackson. That might have been a political thing. I'll have to look into this. I didn't want to get into a fist fight. Yeah, and, yes. and, and then Andrew Jan- J- Johnson did not attend for U.S. Grant. So those were probably political oh. maneuvers. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. 
Although the most recent example is uh, 1868. Right. Well, yeah, so, modern yeah. history everybody has. And, and right. what a great vision for the world it always is. I know. It's, it's, it's one of those things that everyone around the world practically looks at America on Inauguration Day and says, Wow. Wow. Having just, you know, heard all the craziness and the fighting tooth and nail and calling each other bad names and everything, and there you are standing there up on the stage in front of all the people in the world, shaking hands and smiling and wishing each other good luck. That is an amazing part of our tradition. Well, it won't happen at the same level this time around. Although Trump did say yesterday, and this is worth pointing out, he sounded like a normal person yesterday and said that, uh, you know, our focus now is on the transition to the Biden administration, blah, blah, blah. The election is over. We accept that. To me, that should end any impeachment talk and all that. He's not completely unhinged. He doesn't he hasn't he hasn't lost a grasp of reality that there are not repercussions for his actions and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I wonder who got to him and said what? The social media I, accounts. Well, like I said earlier, I'm not sure anything does. I've I've come to my own realizations about being wrong before without anybody telling me. Yeah, <laughs> well, I yeah suppose that was so, huh? really that was really not the right thing to say. Yeah, I don't think Trump's big on self-reflection, but uh, I could be wrong. He I don't was, know. I'm not inside his head. He was thumbing out his takes on uh, on uh, Yelp product reviews and stuff, and he just wasn't getting the same traction, so he needed to unlock his socials. <laughs> what, yeah. is your, what is your saying about introspection? Because it's a good one. If you don't know what introspection is, you need to take a long, hard look at yourself. Exactly. So here's the Alexander <laughs> Hamilton quote, writing in... Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton. Oh, you idiots. 1792, before uh, Aaron Burr shot him. When a man unprincipled in private life, desperate in his fortunes, bold in his temper, possessed of considerable talents, despotic in his ordinary demeanor, known to have scoffed in private at the principles of liberty, when such a man is seen to mount the hobby horse of popularity, to join in the cry of danger to liberty, to take every opportunity of embarrassing the general government and bringing it under suspicion, to flatter and fall in with all the nonsense of the zealots of the day, it may justly be suspected that his object is to throw things into confusion that he may ride the storm and direct the whirlwind Mm. who said that alexander hamilton why he he was describing the sort of person who could destroy uh, the republic that's interesting the old hhop the hobby horse of popularity yeah exactly and then whipping up the you know the outward ends of the spectrum in both directions and then really, really, really whipping them up and then trying to ride the storm and direct the whirlwind. Mm. That's exactly what's happening on the left and the right. And it's bad for the country. You know, it's come and gone through, through the years. Um, it's not like this is the first time, but it's, it's to be resisted. It's to be fought against. You got this ABC News director. This guy's way up in ABC News. ABC News political director Rick Klein called for the cleansing of Trump supporters. The fact is, getting rid of Trump is the easy part. Cleansing the movement he commands is going to be something else. Joining various people who've called for compiling, like AOC and her chief of staff, Pete Buttigieg staffer, calling for an enemies list, the Trump Accountability Project. Make sure anyone who took a paycheck to help Trump undermine America is held responsible for what they did. Oh, yeah, that'll lower passions. That'll bring back bipartisanship and, and love of country. God, you people are sick. So mentioned health workers, firefighters, a bunch of different people that are on the very first list for getting the vaccine who have said, I'm not going to get it or aren't getting it. Um, are you one of those people? And what's your specific personal reason for not getting the vaccine? I find that interesting. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. 
we have gotten a couple of responses on that. But there there are fire stations where a third of the firefighters have said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Wow, interesting. Plus, we have the fabulous Lon He Chen coming up in just about 15 minutes. Cool, all on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Short explanation from the president. He tweeted a half hour ago to all those. So he got his account back, obviously. He got his account back. To all of those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. That was it. Okay. <laughs> so that's the whole thing. Um, his explanation remains uh, in his head. Uh, so three other presidents have not attended the inaugurations. Um, one being Andrew Johnson, which. Uh, Looking at this tweet, interesting historical precedent. Andrew Johnson, who was impeached for condoning racial murder and oppression in the South following the Civil War. He was not big on Reconstruction, uh, so he was not a fan of Grant. Also refused to attend Grant's inauguration because Grant refused to be stuck in a carriage with him. So Grant would (laughs) not ride in a carriage with Andrew Johnson, and that's how that... That reminds me of one of the things of uh, our government, a lot of the things that are in place, the reason why the Inauguration Day and the Counting Day are so far away from Election Day is because you used to have to send the election results via carriage and raven. Sure. (laughs) It took a long time to assemble the actual votes in a singular place and do the counting. I'm wondering if if that's going to continue to stay the same going forward. Right. These days, you don't have to wait for a guy on a horse to show up to know how, I don't know, Wyoming voted. <laughs> it's a hell of a ride from Wyoming, too. Now, Jack, as I recall, Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho uh, did not attend the inauguration of his successor, which was uh, Luke Wilson in Idiocracy. Oh, gotcha. President Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. And I came across this tweet also from somebody named Ray Nan, who, uh, who, well, I'll just read his tweet, because I don't know who he is, but this might speak more to the circles I'm in, but my Federalist Society conservative libertarian friends are all unequivocal in their calls to remove Trump from office for these final 12 days through either the 25th or the uh, impeachment. So that's interesting. That crowd and a lot of uh, liberals want the impeachment to go forward. I just, I, I don't, you know, as a punishment? Or, I mean, is it strictly they're worried that he's so dangerous any day in office you never know what he might do? Or is it like a punishment? I think depending on who you ask, it's both of those things. They just feel like there have to be repercussions for something as egregious as whipping up a crowd and and and, and implying Mike Prent, Pence was a traitor while the Capitol was being invaded. Uh-huh. I mean, that that was absolutely, in my opinion, feel free to disagree if you like, um, that was breaching the oath to defend the, the uh, country and the Constitution against enemies, domestic and foreign. Absolutely. And uh, I know this doesn't make me popular with everybody, but if I was a U.S. senator and they passed all that stuff, I would vote yes, remove him from office over that. If that's not an impeachable offense, I don't know what the hell is an impeachable offense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, I don't know if it's going to go that far. 
Yeah, I was reading the uh, who was it the uh, Daily one of your uh, one of your heavyweight conservative uh, organizations. Um, uh, I can't find it. Uh, their editorial was uh, Trump should be removed, but at this point, it would cause more problems than it solves. Well, see, that's the way I feel about it. I just feel like it'll eat up so much oxygen for other things. We still got the coronavirus going on and various things. Just you know what? If I were a senator, I would say I will vote for impeachment. If, uh, let's see, if Chuck Schumer gets up there and he says it was an incredibly, wildly irresponsible and unpatriotic thing for us to promote the idea that the 2016 election wasn't legitimate for yeah. four years, because that's what we did. We need to apologize for the Russian collusion hoax. We knew, Adam Schiff knew, all of us knew all along it was fake. We were whipping it up for purely political purposes, and it was a terrible thing and a mistake for us to boycott the 26th inauguration. You make that statement, I'll vote for impeachment. Yeah, hey, boys and uh, girls who cried wolf, I hope you you understand the danger of that. There'd be a lot more people paying attention to your whole impeachment call if you hadn't done it 20 previous times over the last four years. Well, and I would like Senator Kamala Harris to take to the stage and say, and I would like to apologize for the violent storming of the Senate office buildings during the Kavanaugh hearing. Yeah. That would be awesome. Say that was unacceptable. This is unacceptable. Let's all agree that political violence is off the table. Right. You do those things, you got my vote. Oh, good one. Thank you. So you have a litmus test is what you have. I don't know. I never took chemistry. I can't wait to hear what Lonnie Chen has to say about all this, among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The two parties, the two ideologies, you might say, speak about the politics in apocalyptic terms. If the other guy wins, it's the end of the republic. If the other guy wins, it's the end of the world. That's the language, the ideology, the rationale of terrorists. The fate of the world hangs on this. And it's up to the leadership to say these are policies. This is not the fate of the republic. On both sides, obviously, that's the late Charles Krautheimer talking about how the leadership needs to step in and say, well, tone things down, basically. The great Charles Krauthammer, yeah, and the idea that if everything is literally a threat to our democracy, then when something actually is, you've heard it 27 times, so you think, no, it's not, it must not be. But Lon He Chen is the David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Lon He joins us now. Uh, welcome, sir. How are you? Happy New Year. Great to be with you guys again. Thank you. It's always great to talk. So overall impressions, gut reaction to the storming of the Capitol and all the insanity. Well, I mean, it was awful to see. Uh, you know, I've been in and around those hallways in the Capitol building quite a bit, particularly around the Senate chamber, and to see a, a hooligan make his way to the seat of the presiding officer of the Senate and sit there and essentially pose as though he's, you know, accomplished the greatest thing in his life. I mean, that was sickening uh, to see. Um, all, all that having been said, I think, you know, this, this is one of those times when I really do miss uh, Charles Crowdhammer and his ability to 
really nail things on the head. And he's right, which is that the best thing we can do going forward is to try and figure out how we can take the temperature down on some of this. I, I don't know how we do it, by the way, guys, but I feel like that is something that is going to be important for the sustainability and the durability of of our democracy. You know, you've got people on both sides. Um, you know, I think there are more voices at this point in time who are who are saying, look, you know, Trump's got to go in one form or another. But, you know, you've got some who are who are trying to rationalize and, and not defend, but rationalize what happened. I think the right answer is everybody needs to take a step back and say, where do we want to go from here? And what do we need to do to get some of these big problems we face solved? Um, I'm sure you don't have a chance to listen uh, to our show all the time. But um, my particular stance was the line was crossed by Trump. And I've been supportive of Trump. I've attended the inauguration rallies, everything like that. The basically calling Pence a trainer, a traitor to his country as the Capitol is being attacked and you don't know about the safety of the vice president um, was just a line crossed. You can't be president anymore. You don't get to be president anymore. Donald Trump doing that. That was, you know, you violated your oath. So that's where I am on that. But does it do the country any good to go through the whole impeachment process with 12 days to go? Yeah, I mean, I have. I, I, I don't believe it does. I mean, I think the reality is the guy's going to be gone on January 20th. Uh, I've heard the arguments about, you know, well, think about all the damage he could do between now and then. Look, the reality is that people around him have figured it out. And I think they are doing everything they can to facilitate a peaceful transition of power. Uh, and in, in some ways, it would be such a, a colossal waste of time to do it just to do it. I think the question that some have asked is, would you do it with the intention of making sure he can never serve again? And some have said that would be the purpose of going through the exercise. Um, I I don't know. It feels to me, guys, like we've got a lot of big problems that I'd like us to start focusing on. I mentioned earlier, you know, whatever, whether it's COVID or the economy, which today we we found out we, you know, we we shed even more jobs or, you know, just lots of things that are happening in, in our country. I feel like that ought to be the focus of these lawmakers as opposed to, to you know, trying to carry out this sort of personal uh, grudge fest. But, but you know, I, I also don't disagree with those who believe if you're going to take action, you ought to take action that is more than just removing him for 12 days. It's removing him and saying, look, um, you know, maybe he shouldn't be qualified to serve again. I think, you know, if you wanted to do that, we can have a debate about that. Lanhi, a lot of our listeners absolutely agree with you and your assessment of Trump's performance and the rest of it, but they're profoundly frustrated by the fact that the politicians on the left and the media have gotten away with either tacitly or openly encouraging political violence on the left, whether it's the assault on the federal courthouse for 125 nights in a row in Portland, uh, rioting, burnings, uh, politicians being confronted and assaulted. Uh, you had the storming of the Senate office building during the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, all of a sudden, it's a problem. Now, people are frustrated. Yeah, I understand that frustration. And there is a double standard. And this has been the whole, this has been the problem, you know, the, the, the whole time. I mean, I remember seeing the television footage, I don't recall what network it was, but the reporter standing in front of a burning building saying, well, these these protests have been mostly peaceful. Sure. CNN famously. Yeah. People people see that and they and they think, are you out of your mind? I mean, let's call a spade a spade when you have violence, whether it's on the left or the right. We ought to call it out. I don't care if we believe one cause is better than another. This is the same thing that got people all riled up when we were being told throughout the summer, you got to stay home because of COVID-19. 
unless you want to go out and protest, then it's okay. That kind of hypocrisy, I mean, to people, it just belies common sense. And it forces them to wonder what it is that's going on, why decision makers, why the media seem to be so intent on advancing a particular agenda. I understand that frustration totally. Um, But from my perspective, you know, look, I called out the violence on the left and I'll call out the violence on the right when it happens. And, and, And by the way, we've got to see and there's going to be an after action report on what happened at the Capitol and who it was that actually perpetrated this. And when they find these people, they ought to catch them and prosecute them to the full extent of the law. But it doesn't matter if they're on the left or the right. You ought to, you ought to behave the same way, whether they're, they're fighting for one cause or another. And I think that hypocrisy, that's what ticks people off, and I understand that. Sure. I, I've, I'd forgotten this. This happened in the summer. The Pulitzer Prize-winning leader of the 1619 Project said back then, I would consider it an honor if people rioted in my name. Yeah, political violence isn't okay, no matter who does it. I hope we can all come to that conclusion. We're talking with Lon He Chen. We always like to hear his opinion, and I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm almost speechless with 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 where we are in the week, and <laughs> we all saw this coming. Like Joe's been saying all week long, it's not like we didn't know this was on the way. This result. I mean, this is where we've been headed for so long. Yeah, I, I mean, you guys, it's so funny because I'm sure, yeah, I know you guys started the week talking about Georgia and the Georgia Senate right. election. And we've been through a Senate election. We've been through a change of power in the Congress. We, we you know, we had this, uh, you know, certification of the election. We had this awful thing at the Capitol. Uh, and, and now we're talking about impeachment, the 25th Amendment. I mean, people <laughs> cannot continue to, this pace is unsustainable. I mean, it's January 8th. It's January 8th. I came across this meme. Uh, I'd like to cancel my subscription to 2021. I've experienced the free seven-day trial, and I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 2021 and 20, I mean, today, actually, guys, is is actually like December 41st is really what today is. Yeah. Because it's it's, it's 2020 continued, and, and I just think, you know, in some ways, I think people are saying, look, whether you voted for Biden or not, whether you agree with him or not, maybe having a, a different voice and a more calming influence will help to take the temperature down. I don't know. I, a part of me hopes that it really does, obviously, because uh, because the pace we're going at is unsustainable. And by the way, guys, we got real problems to deal with, right? I mean, there are real problems that we have to deal with in this country. And I'm talking about, you know, we mentioned it earlier, like you got a bunch of people who are out of work. You got a bunch of people's livelihoods who've been destroyed by this virus and the shutdowns. And, and we've got like a dysfunctional state that I live in here, at least California, you guys are in too. And we got all these things to worry about. And, and, and that's all domestic stuff. Annoyed. China is hell bent on overtaking the world. Well, that too. And, and, and China and Russia. And by the way, what I was saying is that the thing that concerns me most about this period of time is that we take our eyes off the ball, that there are foreign actors who do want to do the U.S. harm, who are going to see this as an opportunity to say, look, you know, you guys are in disarray. We're going to pounce, whether it's Russia or China or Iran, whoever it is. And that's something we've got to keep our eye on the ball on. I'm sure their intelligence services are right now reporting to their leaders about Mike Pence and the Joint Chiefs and how cohesive the leadership one step below Trump is. But uh, to domestic policy, just real briefly, I know you're hot to trot on uh, corruptifornia and the massive unemployment payments fraud. They, they've suspended 1.4 million jobless payments. Now, some might be legit, but that sounds like like one out of 30 people in California are all defrauding the unemployment system. 
Well, and that's the core of the problem. The core of the problem is that the system was not set up to verify who should actually get these benefits. And so that's what slowed things down. You had a backlog of 800,000 cases from last year. Plus, you've got the freeze now affecting a million more claims. And did you guys hear Diane Feinstein gets unemployment insurance? Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> you know, there, 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 was, there was this former state employee who posed as Diane Feinstein to actually get fraud to, to actually get unemployment insurance benefits and you've got benefits going to people in jail and, and you know and no one up to, up in sacramento wants to fix this it's like yeah you know we're looking into it we're working on it and in the meantime you know politicians are eating at fancy restaurants and telling people to stay home Th- that's why the anger is so palpable in california too because even in california a state with one party rule where everything has been one way for the last over decade you know, people are getting frustrated with this and they see it and they're like, why can't you just do basic things right? We're not asking for you to solve the, the, the mysteries of, uh, of great diseases. We're asking you to, like, do basic functions and you can't even do those. And it's frustrating. One more note on that topic, Lonnie. It's funny you should bring that up. I just came across an email from a listener, and we did this the story a couple of days ago about how to rent a U-Haul to leave one of the metro areas of California is two to nine times as expensive as renting a U-Haul to go there, to come there. Um, because they just, all the trucks are leaving California. We just got an email from a listener. You can't even get a trailer from U-Haul. To leave California, I've I've ambled down to my local U-Haul dealer and gotten a trailer like day of just showed up and said, hey, dudes, I need a trailer repeatedly through my life. You can't even uh, reserve one weeks in advance. And Gavin Newsom is still saying, oh, California's future is bright. It's really extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, people are leaving. There have been some well-documented stories of people leaving, you know, prominent, uh, you know, tech types leaving. But that really covers up the bigger part of the story, which is you've got a bunch of people who are leaving California because they just can't make a living here anymore. Uh, You know, the regulatory environment is bad. The business environment is bad. There's really no interest in trying to make housing more affordable. Uh, and, and all the while, by the way, the government keeps spending more and more money. Newsom's going to be out today with a, with a huge budget. And it's, this is the problem we have is that at one point California was the cradle of innovation and creativity and people wanted to come here for all sorts of reasons, but not anymore. You know, I mean, that's just the reality. People would rather leave and go someplace where they can make a living and where they can, uh, actually feel like they're welcome than, than being in a place where, you know, they, they, they're just not going to be able to make ends meet. And I think that's a big, big problem that we're going to have to solve. Lonnie Jen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution. He's the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lonnie Chen. Lonnie, great to talk to you. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks. I'd like to cancel my subscription to 2021. <laughs> I've experienced the free seven day trial, and I'm not interested. <laughs> it, that can't be right. My phone's broken. It's January yeah. 8th. We've been on <sighs> the air for five days. I'm exhausted already. When's our next vacation? He is right about the pace mentally something gives. If it keeps up. It can't keep up. But it, I've been saying that for quite a while. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have more thoughts on the uh, outrageous and unhealthy toxic politics of the day. We could talk about that in a couple of minutes. Uh, the failures of the Capitol Police, I suppose. Well, your thing about our chain of command. Like, if China invaded Taiwan today... 
I'm, I'm mildly surprised, and I hesitate to say this as if, you know, Chairman Xi or Vlad Putin listens to the Armstrong and Getty show. They should. Um, I am at least slightly surprised there hasn't been a major incident. They're making calculations what's best for them, and, and they've decided, obviously, to wait, although the day isn't over yet. Uh, but like I say, I'm surprised something crazy hasn't happened. Hmm, interesting. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC, much on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. According to reports, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian are preparing to file for a divorce. Well, I hope they'll both take a good long look in the mirror. Oh, they will? Oh, they do that every day? That might have been the whole problem? Okay. Yeah. Saying they're shallow, self-obsessed. Decent joke. I hate the fact that they're getting divorced and all that. It's terrible, but... um. And I was just reading this. We were going to talk more about this, but I'm reading this guy, CEO of a company in the Chicago area who stormed the Capitol building and got arrested, who says it was the single worst decision of his life. Wow. And it just, it just, to me, it speaks to mob mentality and, you know, the fever of the moment and everything like that. And that anybody's capable of getting caught up in that sort of thing. Because yeah. he said, I've never spent a night in jail in my life. My decision to enter the Capitol was wrong. I'm deeply, deeply regretful. Without qualification as a peaceful, law-abiding citizen, I condemn the violence and destruction that took place. I don't know what I was thinking. But so it just speaks no to... No apologies. He's got to be canceled. But it speaks to mob mentality. He said he got caught up in it, and everybody was headed toward the Capitol and chanting, and he just did it. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah, it is. It's what why a weird have, beast. Which is why you can't have mobs making any decisions about anything, ever. Here, here. Agreed. So we've had to play this every hour. The vaccines are not getting out to people. They are there. They're just not getting into arms. And the bluer the state, the worse the problem. And the bluest of them all, the loopiest of them all, Oregon, is trying to even hold a meeting deciding which intersectional subgroup should get the vaccine first. And uh, here's a news report from KOIN-TV that will... Shock, astound, amuse, and disgust you, guaranteed. In deciding who's next, OHA's Vaccine Advisory Committee has been asked to focus on health equity by making sure the vaccines get to those who have been disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. The committee did start that conversation. However, they did not make any concrete decisions today about who will be included in the next group that gets the vaccine. The committee held a meet and greet on Tuesday, but during today's first official meeting, it took an hour and a half just to get through introductions where committee members were asked to share their word of the day. Do you have a word for today? Yes, I think my word for today is the same as my word every day, which is action-oriented. My word for today is um, decolonization. My word for today would be pensive. And for me, the word today would be, um, I think somebody said compassion, but also trust. Trust trust is really important. Two words, you know, One committee member I spoke with after <laughs> said if they continue at this pace, they won't be done until August. 
and pointed out that Oregon is already behind other states in holding these committee meetings and rolling out vaccines. OHA said the long introductions were needed during this first meeting to lay the foundation for future meetings where they will make concrete decisions. About decolonization, apparently. At least there was one person who said, this isn't going to end till August if we keep this up. But apparently they didn't have the guts to say it out loud. How crazy is that? Uh, That's so discouraging. Good job on the the media highlighting that absurdity with the the one voice saying this is going to take too long. Right? That could have easily just gone, nobody knows about it. Good job putting that in the piece. Coin TV, it's a good point, Sean. Well done. But that's just obscene. And they'd had their, and, and listen, we vowed to play this every hour because we don't want it to go unpunished. They'd had a meet and greet introductory meeting the prior day so everybody could get acquainted. But they still had to spend an hour and a half on their word of the day. And there aren't, where people, are the adults? I don't know. And nobody raises their hand and say, hey, hey, we haven't got time for this. You know, normal year, number, normal summer meeting, nothing's going on. We can deal with this foolishness, but we don't have time for the word of the day. Let's figure out how to get the vaccine out. Send it to your friends. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have the link for you. That's armstrongandgetty.com. By the way, breaking baseball news, uh, breaking baseball news, L.A. Dodgers icon Tommy Lasorda has passed away at age 93. Oh, really? The great Tommy Lasorda. Said to be a colorful, hilarious, and generous man, uh, both during and after his baseball career. Man, he made baseball fun when I was a kid. Hall of Fame baseball player, baseball person, and also Hall of Fame swear word user. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah, maybe we can oh, do that yeah. later in the show. The bleep. Well, we got to do that for the podcast. Maybe, Sean, you can put that on your podcast today. Tommy was sort of cussing. It's a tribute to the great man. Armstrong and Getty.